Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. It's Friday the 28th of July in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, the Bank of Japan tightens monetary policy as Governor Ueda makes a surprise change to yield curve control. Christine Lagarde's sinking feeling the European Central Bank turns more downbeat on growth after hiking rates for a ninth time. And more news from NatWest. Earnings out today after the bank has lost two top executives to political scandal. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. The Bank of Japan has changed its yield curve controlled in a surprise move that sent markets swinging. The central bank kept its target for 10-year yields at zero, but expanded the range that yields can move up to 1%. Bloomberg's David Inglis explains. They're broadening the playground. They're lowering the floor on JGBs. They're still maintaining 0.5%, but they're saying that's not a strict target anymore at this point in time. Bloomberg's David Inglis there. Former Bank of Japan Assistant Governor Kazuo Moma told Bloomberg he saw the change as a minor tweak. My sense is that the hidden motivation for the BOJ, most importantly, is the exchange rate, uh, because the uh, too uh, too stringent conduct of the yield curve control could invite undesirable weakening again going forward. The BOJ doesn't want to repeat the same mistake just like last year, so I think the BOJ is much more flexible this year in terms of the conduct of yield curve control to mitigate any possible uh, wrong message uh, to the currency market. Mama adding that a lot now depends on what Governor Ueda says in his upcoming press conference and how these new controls will be enforced. Christine Lagarde sees a fading economic outlook for the euro area. The European Central Bank raised rates yesterday for the ninth time in a row, but policymakers are increasingly worried about the impact the hikes are having on growth. The near-term economic outlook for the euro area has deteriorated, owing largely to weaker domestic demand. High inflation and tighter financing conditions are dampening spending. This is weighing especially on manufacturing output, which is also being held down by weak external demand. The ECB President Christine Lagarde there. A report this week from the central bank showed demand for loans from companies also plunged by the most on record in the second quarter. Here in the UK, NatWest is reporting results today for the first half of 2023, but the numbers will play second fiddle to the ongoing political wrangling after losing their CEO on Wednesday. Yesterday, NatWest said the head of its Coots subsidiary, Peter Flavel, is also stepping down over the closure of Nigel Farage's account. He's the latest senior figure to leave as the bank tries to address the scandal around account closures. Sellers are increasingly offering price cuts to tempt UK home buyers, a sign that the housing correction continues. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts reports. 
The number of people contacting estate agents about buying a property in the UK has fallen by almost a fifth in the last two months. That's according to data from property website Zoopla. That's putting downward pressure on the market. Almost 7% of sellers reduced their asking price in July, with higher mortgage rates depressing demand and as households deal with rampant inflation. Bloomberg Economics is now forecasting a 10% drop in house prices from last year's peak. The asking price cuts aren't impacting everyone equally, though, with pricier properties, especially those in the south, losing value at the fastest pace. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Next is the more corporate results. Standard Chartered boosted profits by 27% in the second quarter. The Asia-focused lender reported pre-tax profits of $1.6 billion, blasting past the analyst estimate by $200 million. The bank has been a watched takeover target since Bloomberg reported that First Abu Dhabi Bank had explored a potential bid for the company at the start of the year. Those are a few of today's top stories for you in another busy day uh, in earnings uh, to think about. But this story has caught a lot of people's attention. City is going to track UK office attendance, basically uh, to try to figure out who the hybrid holdouts are. Um, yeah, sounds, sounds a bit more serious when it comes to work from home. or trying to stamp it out. Yeah, this is something that City had announced they were going to be doing uh, for their staff, but the memo went out with details yesterday to their staff in the UK uh, saying that one swipe per day per location will be captured and the focus of the reports will be employees with consistent office absences, those who flout the, the rules, which will be to spend th- at least three days a week in the office. Um, those They could face disciplinary action from bonus adjustments even as far as termination. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's certainly sounding um, very specific, isn't it, now that uh, work from home um, is uh, out of favour. Let's think, though, about today's big moves from the Bank of Japan also uh, to adjust yield curve control, shall we? The first surprise move under Governor Kazuo Ueda. Well, surprise, let's discuss that. Our Chief Rates Correspondent Garfield Reynolds joins us now with the details. Good morning, Garfield. Good to have you on the programme. The Bank of Japan is calling this flexibility and yield curve control, but what do today's changes mean actually in practice? Well, to some extent, we have to wait for further explanation from Governor Ueda when he gives uh, a presser, which won't be for another two hours or so. Uh, now, the BOJ you know, has adjusted the way it looks effectively at yield curve control to say Right, 0.5% is still the top of the range you know, laid down, but that that top is now sort of a, a reference rate rather than being a hard cap. The hard cap is at 1%, uh, and they will offer to buy an unlimited amount of 10-year bonds at 1% yields every day to make sure that that hard cap could never be breached. They will also, however, retain the capacity to, as they put it, quote, nimbly conduct market operations, end quote, should yields be anywhere between 0.5% and 1%. So they seem to want to guide, to some extent, where yields go within that new range and how that's going to work, how they decide it, whether it means they will you know, step in any time they think yields are moving too sharply higher uh, or inappropriately higher, it, it, it kind of becomes more akin to 
you know, what we've seen on occasions with currency market intervention from Japan when it's decided that the yen was getting too weak or was getting too weak too fast. So that's adding a lot of uncertainty about what this is going to mean. And like I said, there's a lot of attention on what Ueda is going to say in his press conference. Yes, and more detail to come on this. The markets, though, have been reacting. The end whipsawing around this decision. Take us through what we've been seeing in terms of market reaction, Garfield. Yeah, well, the initial market reaction was almost as though we were wondering whether somebody somewhere had, had misread the your unlimited bond buys at 1% to be unlimited bond buys at 0.5% because the initial reaction looked as though it was being taken as a dovish move that left things kind of where they were. Uh, the yen dropped. Uh, it went to as weak as 141 per US dollar. Uh, that and, and you know, JGB futures uh, took back some of their earlier declines. We had Treasury yields falling. We had Australian bond yields pairing some of their increase. So that was all sort of like, oh, this looks like it's being taken as dovish. And there was plenty of chatter in the MLive chat room and, and elsewhere about, well, but doesn't this actually mean that bond yields can go that much higher? Uh, markets fairly rapidly moved to that conclusion as well. So we had the yen is now up 0.7%. At one stage, it got 1% stronger. On the day, we've got JGB, 10-year JGB yields now up uh, 11 basis points on the day to 0.575%. That's the highest they've been since back in September 2014, which was before Kuroda's second bazooka when he expanded his initial quantitative easing program and mm. well before they ever brought in yield curve control. So uh, the ultimate interpretation is that this is you know, a hawkish bent. This is taking us towards uh, an end to you know, curve control, an end to, uh, to extraordinarily easy monetary policy in Japan. Um, yeah. We'll see what markets think once Uweda actually steps up to the microphone. Yeah, absolutely. But on the idea of whether it was a surprise or not, Garfield, I mean, surely this was inevitable. <clears throat> we were sort of talking about it. We've been talking about it all year. And whether, for example, the latest inflation figures just made it inevitable. It's always inevitable that the BOJ would have to come out of... Uh, it's ultra easy settings. After all, you know, back two years ago when everybody was at the zero bound and, and had been buying bonds, it was kind of inevitable then that at some stage uh, central banks would be forced to move away from those settings. Uh, the difficulty is always in how they do that and how much volatility is created. Now, um, going into this meeting, even sort of a week out, People had been thinking that the BOJ was going to you know, continue to be softly, softly, that Ueda was going to stick to his mantra of being a gradualist and avoiding springy surprises. He was originally you know, Mr. Forward Guidance. Forward Guidance was something he was very strong on uh, you know, from the early days of his career in central banking and economics. So the level of confusion that he's created, the apparent lack of 
uh, a strong forward guidance is what he's done. That has been a surprise. And even you know, we had the uh, report overnight from the Nikkei about you know, the idea that the BOJ would discuss yield tweaking yield curve control. Yeah. This has turned out to be a bit more of a tweak than even that was flagging. And that helps to explain okay. the extreme moves that have come once people started to wrap their heads around what this looks like meaning. All right, Garfield, thank you very much. Our Chief Rates Correspondent Garfield Reynolds uh, with the details of that. We will bring you uh, news from the Bank of Japan press conference taking place at 7.30am London time. You can watch it on your Terminal Live Go or on the T-Live blog as well. Up next, zeroing in and women held to a higher standard. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The Paper Review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. Joining us now, Bloomberg's Leanne Gerrans to take us through this morning's headlines. Let's start with The Telegraph and this story. Public must be spared. Huge burden of net zero, says Tony Blair. Yes, indeed, Caroline. So the former Prime Minister really is making the point that the UK can play its part in the fight against climate change, but its efforts could be overshadowed by countries such as China. Blair also warns against asking the public to do this massive amount of work, saying Britain's net zero efforts cannot solve global warming alone. He's making the point that this is a global issue, something we all need to work together on. Now, his tone of caution really comes after we know that Labour and the Conservatives are now debating this transition to net zero. And I feel that was really sparked, and I think a lot of the papers do too, by the Tory by-election win in Uxbridge. And that was all over the fact that Labour failed to win the seat and that was blamed widely on the backlash against Mm. ULES, which is this low emission zone that's been introduced by the London mayor. He's trying to make it... expand to Greater London and Caroline really a lot of backlash over this in Greater London and in an interview with the New Statesman magazine on July the 18th Tony Blair said something this is what he quoted don't ask us to do a huge amount when frankly whatever we do in Britain is not really going to impact climate change but it is important to say he still thinks this is the number one issue for our generation he makes it clear he supports Britain's 2050 Mm. net zero emissions, but it's just also saying the global effort needs to be there. 
Okay, let's go to the Financial Times next, Leanne, uh, and it's reporting that three of the UK's largest lenders have cut mortgage rates. Yes, indeed. So the changes actually reflect the better-than-expected June inflation figures and the growing competition as demand for home loans really does fall. So three of the largest lenders, also a few several ones, announced cuts to their mortgage rates yesterday. And the moves by Nationwide, Barclays and TSB really follow on from the decision by HSB which did it a little bit earlier in the week. We know the base rate is still at a 15-year high of 5%, but that bigger-than-expected drop in June inflation helping to stabilise the markets, allowing banks to reduce funding costs. But some analysts also say the reduction in the cost of home loans reflects the impact of the slowing housing market. So there we are. There's mm. two really um, key bits to that story. But as we're seeing, largest lenders cutting mortgage rates. Mm. Um, and then just lastly, this opinion piece in The Guardian, was Alison Rose held to a higher standard because she's a woman? Oh, Caroline, this is a really interesting read and we've been discussing it. So Anne Frank is a chief executive of the Chartered Management Institute. She is the author of this opinion piece and she asked some really important questions and she made makes the point that other bank bosses, the likes of Jez Staley, Ross McEwen, have faced much more serious accusations, but they haven't actually suffered the same political backlash that Alison Rose has faced. The opinion article makes the point. Rose, yes, she made a serious error of judgment in discussing the former UKIP's leader case with a journalist, mm. but rather than allowing any due process. She, she was, was ousted. And um, I think this is in- interesting because Anne says, you know, she's worried about the message this is sending to women, Caroline, looking for a seat at the top table. And if it is a subtle hint of sexism, and she's saying it's not just yeah. happening in the financial sector. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.